Good morning and welcome to City Based Church Online. We're so glad that you could join us here today. As you know, uh, under lockdown level three, we are not able to meet uh, in person at the church on Sundays at the moment, and so we will continue with our online meetings um, until further notice. We will update you on the church WhatsApp group if there are any changes. If you celebrated your birthday or had a wedding anniversary during uh, the week that passed, we hope that you had a very special day and we send you much love from City Based Church. We'd like to say a big thank you to those of you who have continued to give so generously to the work of the church. Um, firstly, to those of you who have continued um, and been able to tithe, we thank you for that. Many of the expenses of owning a church building continue, whether we're meeting at the building in person or not. Um, and so your tithes help us to be able to pay those expenses and also to be able to pay the salaries of our full-time staff. So thank you very much for your giving. And then secondly, um, with our three outreach ministries that we're involved in, uh, we're just blown away by the generosity of the people of City Based Church. Um, and we encourage you, where you can, to continue to give to the Almond Tree, the baby home in Dolmas that we support, to the Base Pantry, uh, which is a, a food parcel uh, ministry where we give food parcels to people in our church in need as well as to people in the local community and then thirdly to the bread of life outreach which is a fantastic outreach giving both literal bread and gospel tracts the spiritual bread to people in need also in our local community um, thanks to your giving, we were able to go out on Bread of Life Outreach this past Friday for the first time this year, and the team was able to give out 200 loaves of bread, which means 200 gospel tracts sharing the good news of Jesus with people in need in our community. If you would like to continue to give, the banking details are on your screen. Uh, just use your reference of um, tithes, almond tree, base pantry, or bread outreach, and the money that you give will be allocated accordingly. Thank you again for your generosity. I'm going to hand over now to our worship team, and after them, we'll be hearing today's message from Dion. Till I met you I was breathing but not alive All my failures I tried to hide It was my tomb Till I met you you called my name And I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness To your glorious day You called my name And I ran out of that grave Out 
darkness to your glorious day. Now your mercy has saved my soul. Now your freedom is all I know. Who the old man knew, Jesus, when I met you. You called my name And I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness To your glorious day You called my name And I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness To your glorious day My sin was heavy My chains break at the weight of your glory I needed shelter I was an orphan But you called me a citizen of heaven When I was broken You were my healing Your love is the air that I'm breathing I have a future My eyes are open Cause when you call my name You called my name And I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness To your glorious day Out of the darkness To your glorious day Out of the darkness into your glorious
to come Will you meet me here again? Cause all I want is all you are Will you meet me here again? Will you meet me here again? Jesus, will you meet me here again? Lord, will you meet me here again? Lord, will you meet me here again? Jesus, will you meet me here again? For a minute was I forsaken The Lord is in this place The Lord is in this place Come Holy Spirit Dry bones awaken The Lord is in this place The Lord is in this place Not for a minute was I forsaken? The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, dry bones awaken. The Lord is in this place. 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 The Lord is in this Good morning. Thanks for joining us once again. It's such a privilege to be able to share God's word with you today. And I trust that you've had a great blessed week and that you've been pursuing your relationship with the Lord. Just this week I was thinking how much I'm missing seeing you all and I really trust that things are going to change shortly and we'll be able to meet once again. I'm really trusting for this. This morning, I want us to have a look at the importance of vision. There was a lady by the name of Helen Keller, an American author and educator who was blind and deaf. And she had this to say, worse than being blind would be to be able to see, but not have any vision. And how true those words are. And in the Bible, it puts it this way in Proverbs 29 verse 18. I want to read from a few different translations this morning. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. That comes from the ESV. From the King James, it puts it this way. Where there is no vision, the people perish. The NRV. Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. From the Message Bible. 
If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. And then from the New Revised Standard Version, where there is no prophecy, the people cast off restraint. No matter how you translate it, without vision, without revelation, divine guidance, people will be confused. They'll be scattered, unfocused, and easily distracted. And I don't want that for us. I want us to be on point, on course, where the Lord is leading us. Without God-given vision, our ministries will never have the life of God. And the life of God is what we are after. That's what the series is about. That's what we are pursuing. That's what we want. We want the life of God. I don't know how many of you have um, driven a car where the wheel alignment is out. And I'm sure for most of you, you have experienced that. Because of all the potholes in our country, I'm sure you've been through one and it's caused your car's wheel alignment to go out. And what happens is you'll find the car wanting to pull in one direction all the time. And you're having to hang on to the other side of the steering wheel to keep the car going in the direction that you want it to. And if you drive the car for long enough like this, um, you will find your tires start to wear unevenly and they'll have to be replaced. And it can even cause you to be involved in an accident. And I experienced this in my wife's car a number of years ago. We were on a trip to Port Alfred, which is around about 1,100 to 1,200 kilometers. And when we started the trip, the front tires on the car were virtually brand new. But by the time we got there to Port Alfred, because of the wheel alignment being so far out, on the one front tire, the wire was already starting to show. And so the tires had to be replaced. And people in a visionless church are like that. Without vision or alignment, the people are busy doing something. They're driving along doing church, but without any direction. And they are easily pulled off course. They are moving with no destination in mind. Without vision, people just like tires wear themselves out. Those who serve will eventually burn out or they will become frustrated and can even end up crashing, just like a car that has real alignment problems. Our alignment comes from keeping our focus on Jesus, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Keep looking to Jesus. Keep your eyes focused on him and you will not crash. Ministries that have it, in other words, they have the life of God, have a clear vision. The people know the vision. They understand the vision. They believe in the vision and they live the vision. When people have got the vision, they move together as a large group of people and they move in the same direction and they have a great impact in what they are doing. But without vision, people perish, dreams fade, ministries lose their life and once, and once vibrant churches slowly start to die. In Habakkuk 2 verse 2 in the Amplified Bible it says this, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and engrave it so plainly upon tablets that everyone who passes may be able to read it easily and quickly as he hastens by. You see, without a clear, compelling vision, 
people are quickly pulled away, off of center. People get confused, they become distracted and bored. Without even noticing, the original mission starts to fade and people start to drift away. People start to drift off course. It's like a boat that that's anchor isn't into the rock. It slowly starts to drift. And when you look again, you find yourself way off course. People, in other words, have to be continually reminded of the vision. And that's what I want to do today. I want to remind you of our vision. A guy by the name of George Barner had this to say about vision. The vision is a clear mental portrait of a preferable future communicated by God to his chosen servant leaders based upon an accurate understanding of God, self and circumstances. In other words, it's the ability to see, think about or plan the future with imagination or wisdom. It's a future that God has planned for us. And I don't know about you, but as I was just thinking about this, I was thinking that ah, I would hate to get to heaven one day. And here Jesus shows me the future that he had planned for me. And I totally missed it. How disappointed I'd be. And I don't want us as a church to miss the future that God has planned for us. The future that God has ordained for us. I want us to, to really hit that future. I want us to, to be spot on and in line with where God is taking us. So if we have a look, God has a vision for every local church. And that vision will dovetail with the far bigger one, the vision of God himself. So let's have a look at what the Father's vision is. Before the foundation of the world, God knew that among the teeming millions on earth, there would be a significant number of people who would respond to his call on their lives. And this great company would become to known as the church, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the temple of God, a royal priesthood, the family of God, a holy nation, and it is this body of believers that is the Father's vision. Everything God has done from creation onwards, he has done with this vision in mind. But for this vision to be able to be fulfilled, Jesus had to come. And so Jesus had to lay down his life in order to redeem the world from the power of sin. And because of this, we read in Revelations 5, verse 9 to 10, a song of praise to Jesus. You are worthy because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom of priests to our God and they will reign on the earth. It was this vision of called out people, which Hebrews 12 verse 1 to 3 explains. It has this to say, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, 
Now he is seated in a place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he had to endure from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. It was this joy that was set before him that enabled Jesus to endure the cross. He paid the price for our redemption and then he entrusted us with the completion of his father's vision. What a privilege we have to complete the vision of the father, commanding us in what has become known as the Great Commission, which is found in Matthew 28 verse 19, to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. And it is from this vision that the vision of city based is self so city base is birthed. So vision is an interesting thing. Whilst our vision is always Jesus Christ, he reveals specific plans and purposes for his people, individually and corporately. He considers us on a personal basis, and we believe that he wants his church to be expressed in different ways by different people in different contexts to reach different people. Just like I said last week, God does not use a cookie cutter machine and make us all the same. We are all made differently and this is what he wanted. He never wanted us to be robots. We also believe that his purpose for each generation need not be the same as for the previous generation. In fact, they very seldom are. If the revelation given to this generation is carved in stone and made the benchmark for the next, the wine skin has become old and new wine cannot be contained in it. In many circumstances, the new move of God is ridiculed by those who have been given the previous, sorry, by those who were in the previous move because they thought it was set in stone and this is the way it has to be done, but it wasn't. As God moves and reveals himself to his people through the ages, man's understanding of him and his word has developed and been renewed. This does not in no way alter the fundamentals of our faith. However, we can never say we have arrived or that we know it all and that this generation has a handle on it all. We acknowledge that we don't know it all and we are living out the way as best that we understand it. So the vision of city-based church is not carved in stone. And we pray that when we look back over the years of what God has done, that the vision will have grown, that it will have changed. Um, and it needs to do this so that God's kingdom can advance. At city-based church, the church will always be a place of joy, vision, friendship, and reality where real people serve a real God with passion, love and dedication. It will never be a group of people that get together every Sunday out of a habit or tradition. And this is part of why I want us to pursue the life of God, because in a way I think that we have started to meet out of habit and out of tradition. And if we start to do this, it will kill the life of God. And so if this has become a tradition, something that we just do to please our family and friends, we need to change because this is not 
what this church is about. So let's look at our vision. And our vision is to seek and save the lost, to be part of the priesthood of all believers from where we train, develop and release leaders to, amongst others, plant New Testament churches to disciple nations and to prepare the bride. I want to break this down and let's look at each one of those points individually. The first one is to seek and save the lost. This is God's plan that is on his heart. It's always been on his heart to seek and to save the lost. He does not want anyone to go to a Christless eternity, to a place called hell, where there will be pain and suffering for eternity. That was never his plan. And can I say that as a church, we need to be constantly looking for ways to bring the lost in, get them saved. Jesus said that he would make us fishers of men. For those of you who have gone fishing, you'll know that you have to try different baits, different lures, different techniques. You may even have to get in a boat and go out into the sea to be able to catch the fish. And it's the same when catching people for Jesus. We can't just expect what worked for one person is going to work for everybody. We need to change our tactics. Like you need to change your bait for catching fish. Change your tactics. You can't use one thing or one way of fishing and expect to catch all different kinds of fish. And it's the same for us as we fish for men. We need to change the way that we do it. What worked for one person may not work for the other one. But we need to seek and save the lost. Find ways to bring them into the kingdom of God. Ask God to reveal to you what's going to work for the person that you are busy speaking to. And then when he shows you what's going to work, jump in, go ahead, minister to them. Don't hesitate. Then secondly, to be part of the priesthood of all believers. What does this mean? Who is the priesthood of all believers? They are blood-bought, blood-washed saints of God. Those who have given their hearts to Jesus and have accepted him, have accepted his forgiveness that he purchased for them on the cross. And once you give your life over to Jesus and you surrender your will to him, you become part of the priesthood of all believers. And this allows you to have direct access to God. You can pray directly to him. You don't have to go through another man to get to God. You have direct access to him because of what Jesus did for you. When you pray, he hears you. He hears what you're asking for. And not only does he hear, but he answers your prayers as well. Then thirdly, from where we train, develop and release leaders. And this is very important in the kingdom of God. We need to be training up new leaders. And then once we've trained them, we don't want to just hold on to them. We want to release them into the ministries that God has called them to. So that they can run with the vision that they have on their heart for where God is wanting to take them. We want them to go and plant these New Testament churches that God has called us to. Then fourthly, to amongst others, plant New Testament churches. 
You may say to me, Dion, why do we need to plant more churches? The ones that are there aren't even full. I want to say to you that if we want a Christianity that resembles the book of Acts, then one of the things we have to commit to is planting New Testament churches. Throughout the New Testament, we see this happening. The first century Christianity has much to teach 21st century Christianity. Here's what they did over and over again. They would go, just like Matthew 28 commanded them to. They would be witnesses, just like Acts 1 verse 8 said that we needed to be. They would make disciples just like Acts, uh, like Matthew 28 told us to. And then plant New Testament churches. Why did they do this? All because Jesus told them to. And we need to do the same. Paul's answer to a man crying out for help in Macedonia in the book of Acts, in chapter 16, verse 10. We see, what does Paul do? And this is Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke. What they decide, the church, what they decide Macedonia needs is the planting of a church. And we see this happening. They planted the church of Philippi. How did Paul help Corinth? He planted a church. How did he help the city of Thessalonica? He planted a church. He did the same in Ephesus. He planted a church. The chief need of every city, town, and village is the gospel of Jesus Christ, echoing from planted churches filled with gospel-centered people who shine as lights in the darkness, inviting the dead to come alive in Jesus Christ and to dwell in the kingdom of God. That is the hope of every city. That's what every city, town, and village and nation needs. They need Jesus. They need New Testament churches, churches that preach the gospel of Jesus Christ so that people can hear it, turn from their wicked ways, and come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Then fifthly, disciple nations. This is an important part of our Christian lifestyle, to take new Christians and to teach them the ways of God, train them in the ways that they need to go, Turn them into followers of Jesus so that they in turn can take what they have learned and then go and do the same. Disciples making disciples, followers of Jesus making more followers of Jesus. And we don't only do that in our town, but we do it wherever we go. Wherever Jesus takes us, we do this to the ends of the earth, to the nations that Jesus takes us. We raise up disciples. Then sixthly and lastly, to prepare the bride. Ultimately, this is what it's all about. To get us ready for the wedding feast of the Lamb of God. And who is the Lamb? Jesus Christ. We don't want to miss out on the wedding feast. Like what happened in the parable in Matthew 25. We see the story of the ten virgins where there were five wise, five wise virgins and far foolish, foolish virgins, sorry, far foolish virgins. The far foolish ones missed out on the banquet. 
the five wise virgins, they went into the banquet and they were able to dine at the table. Let us be ready. Let's ready ourselves for Jesus' return. And I trust that this in some way helps you to see the importance of the vision and that it will help you to draw alongside us as we pursue what God has called us to. We don't want to have a scattered vision. We want everybody to be on board with where we are going so that we can be a mighty army accomplishing much for the kingdom of God. So I trust that this has stirred your heart to get on board with us, to get on board where God is leading us and not to be pulling in your own direction. We want our alignment to be straight so that we can follow hard after and pursue the vision that Jesus has given us. And next week we're going to carry on looking at the vision, but we'll go a little bit deeper into it. And I trust that you'll join us again as we do that. Can we pray together? Father, I thank you for this word that you gave me to share to these wonderful people. I trust that what I've shared this morning will cause these people to get in line with the direction that you are taking us in as a church. Father, where they may have been pulling in one direction, I pray that they will have their wheel alignment readjusted by you and that they will get in line with where we are going as a church. Father, I pray that where we have gone off course a little bit, that you will help us to get back on course again. We ask you to forgive us for steering off of course and that you will lead us back on course, lead us back in the direction that you are wanting to take us in so that, Father, we can accomplish what you have called us to here on the earth so that one day when we stand before you, you'll be able to show us that great picture and we'll say we have done it, we have run the race and we have finished strong. We did what you asked us to do. Father, thank you that as a church we will accomplish this. In the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for this. Father, I thank you for these wonderful people. I pray your blessing upon them. Lord, I know some of them have faced real difficult times this week. And the weight of the world has been upon them. And I ask that you help them to lay their burdens at your feet and to leave them at your feet, not to pick them up again when they, they leave, but to leave their burdens there. And that, Father, you will come and that you will fill them with your peace, that peace that surpasses all understanding, that peace that we can't understand, it goes so deep. I ask this in your wonderful and precious name, Jesus. Amen. God bless you and have a wonderful week.